episode number 409, Star Trek and the Transfiguration, A Weak Connection. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. So recently, Star Trek Strange New Worlds had a crossover with Star Trek Lower Decks, and the crossover event got me thinking about other crossovers in the Star Trek universe. And those other crossovers got me thinking about one of the most interesting and maybe even perplexing stories in the Gospels and uh, and about the Bible as a whole. Trust me, there is a connection between the Star Trek and the Bible stuff, although maybe a weak one. (laughs) I'm Ben, Ben Avery. This is Strangers and Aliens. Let's make some weak connections. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much uh, for joining me as I get to talk about two things in my life that I enjoy. Now, one of the things that makes weak connections weak is because it's connecting two things that one is fairly vital and important in life. And the other one is important, but only in the sense that it brings some pleasure and brings some joy. Uh, But it's it's not life saving and it's not eternity changing. So, yeah, so you're making a a connection between something that is eternity changing and something that is uh, a diversion here on Earth. But like I said, Watching Star Trek got me thinking about something and it got me thinking about something from the Gospels, which, you know, the Gospel is all four of the Gospels together. They are a story, the story of the life of Christ. And Strangers and Aliens is about that connection between uh, between creativity and Christianity and story and God's story, you know, and so there's so many things, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about how, um, you know, all these different uh, mythologies and and religions they all have these little snippets of the big story the the important story the story of god and his love for humanity as i was watching star trek i i saw something that got me thinking about something and and i wanted to talk about that something with you so uh star trek is probably my favorite fandom if i were to if, if someone were to like push me into a chair and tie me down, I would probably, if I was pressed into it, I would probably go with, with Star Trek. Now I know actually if you're looking on the screen here, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. And then there's one more up there that you can't see, but Star Trek, first of all, Star Trek engaged my imagination through TV and books and comics and gaming. And it also created some social situations for me that developed into lifelong friendships. I've talked about those before on the podcast, and I'm not going to get into that now, but I, it's, it's, it's just been a big part of my life and it's been a big part of friendships and, and relationships like that. And it engages me in a different way than Star Wars. Star Wars did excite me. And especially, I mean, as a very, very young child, it really did. But it's been Star Trek that just as I think about it, that's the one that I look forward to more when I'm thinking about, okay, there's a new episode coming tomorrow. If it's Strange New Worlds, I'm really looking forward to it. If it's Ahsoka, 
a little bit less so. So, uh, so of course, because of that, I have been watching all the new Star Trek that's been coming out, all of it, and I've liked some of it more than others. And I still fall back on my old favorites. I still watch uh, original series. Um, I'm doing a watch through right now of the animated series uh, and Next Generation, but even Enterprise and Voyager and Deep Space Nine, those can be, I guess I would call it comfort viewing at the end of a long day. I don't mind sitting down and turning on a, a Star Trek episode to just relax. And with with Star Wars, it's a little bit less. I'm, I'm not going to sit down and watch a, an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels or any of the new stuff that they've got going on. Mandalorian. Uh, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. And if I was going to sit down to watch the real comforting thing, the, the movies, I mean, that's a two hour and 15 minute uh commitment that you're making if you're going to watch that empire strikes back so anyway i'm watching the new stuff and just real quick i'm going to talk about what i think about all of the new 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 uh series and, and i'm going to get into the crossover stuff but discovery kind of like it's not as bad as what some people seem to think it is uh recently they jumped to the future and i thought that was a good idea but most of the ideas that they played with it just haven't really engaged me um and second of all, with Discovery, I'm not a real fan of a second secret Spock sibling, which is a nice little uh, tongue twister there. Second secret Spock sibling. Uh, but it gave us Pike and that gave us a scene in uh, Discovery that almost moved me to tears. And and I love uh, An Anson Mount as, as Pike. And that was a great, great inspired casting there. Picard, seasons one and season two... So with the Picard series, it's like this. You have this incredible band of musicians and they break up while they're ahead. They knew it was their time. Their best albums already happened. And they did a couple more albums after those best albums, but they just weren't as good as the, as the earlier stuff. So the lead singer, he goes and he does some solo albums and fans buy the albums because they like them. And the lead singer gets to stretch himself creatively, but everyone is really hoping for a new album. That's more like the old albums. And so finally, after some of the band makes some appearances on the solo albums, they, they do put out a reunion album. It's not as good as their old stuff, but they hit some of the notes and riffs that they were famous for. So on one hand, you're glad that the lead singer did the solo albums to get it out of the system. But the reunion album is what the fans really wanted. And that was season three. That is the end of the metaphor. <laughs> and um, that's Picard for me. It's hit. It's miss. It's okay. Um, but I really don't see myself going back to it. I, I may go back someday in a couple years and watch season three or something like that. But I, I really don't know if I will. Lower Decks. That is a show that I wish that it was just a TV show that existed in the universe of Star Trek. There are so many things about Lower Decks that are just absolutely hilarious. And so many things that the characters talk about that they just should not know. And they talk about it as if they are truly people who know about Trek history as history, but then they're also talking about it at, in terms of movies and movie tropes. And it's almost like the, like the characters in scary movie or another one of those terrible parody movies turned out to actually exist in the universe that they were parodying, but then it's Canon and it has been, it's confirmed some things that were considered not Canon from like Star Trek, the animated series. It's confirmed some of those to be canon, which is kind of cool. But at the same time, 
I just, I, I don't like it. They, the, the, one of the big problems, and it was just in the last episode I watched, there's characters who talk like they are in a sitcom. They don't talk like they are in an actual functioning universe. They talk about their, like, they talk like they are in a universe that exists to make fun of an actual existing functioning universe. So it's great parody. It's great satire. And there are some deep, deep cuts. The latest episode was, or no, I get it mixed up a little bit because they did two episodes at the same time for this first, first round of episodes this week. But um, no, I think it was the first episodes of the season that just was a love letter to Voyager and some of the deep cuts that they have and some of the things that, you know, are getting Borgified and stuff. It's, it's fun stuff. Very fun. But because it's so self-referential, it just doesn't fit into the universe for me. It's very hard for me to wrap my brain around the idea that they exist in the same universe. They are they just they talk like they're in a self-aware sitcom. And it doesn't work great for me. Prodigy, Star Trek Prodigy. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I've seen actually the first couple of episodes. And I did uh I did track it down. Uh it, they took it off of Paramount Plus before I had a chance to see it. So they're that's that Star Trek strange new worlds Pike on discovery. Like I said, was one of the best parts of discovery. And then the spinoff that came out of discovery has been amazing. Well, season one anyway, has been <laughs> amazing. Season one was fantastic. There was one episode in season one that just didn't hit well for me. Uh, but the season two just feels super gimmicky and just hasn't been as engaging. It's still been good. And I, you know, um, the I can't remember the guy's name who plays Spock. He's been growing on me. Guy who plays Kirk, it's a little not not as much uh, growing on me, but maybe in season three he will. But there's some very very good episodes of Star Trek that have come out of both season one and season two. But then there's also the musical episode that it worked, but. It was one of those moments where I just kind of sat back and said, well, let's let the young people have their fun. Let the kids have their fun. And uh, I'll just have to go into this one knowing it, it wasn't for me. <laughs> it wasn't paid for me. So another gimmicky thing that they did, Lower Decks did a crossover episode with Strange New Worlds and it brought these animated characters, two of them, into the live action world. And fortunately, the actors who voice the characters look enough look close enough to be able to do it, to make it work. And so the episode itself, it was fine, if a little bit gimmicky. And then there was all the self-referential stuff going on. It pulled back a little bit from it, but it was still there. It was still there. But because of that episode and the crossover guest starring things that they were doing with that, it got me thinking about guest stars from other different series appearing on other series of, of Star Trek. And, 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 why they appear on these other episodes of, uh, well, series, not just episodes, these other series of Star Trek. There's the first big crossover character, which is the first episode of a new series with without which you couldn't even have done a crossover because if it was just continuing the Star Trek, the original series, that's not a crossover. That's just the thing, the thing itself. But you have Star Trek Next Generation, first episode, Encounter at Farpoint, there's a scene that meant absolutely nothing, nothing to the plot. It didn't do anything to serve the plot at all. Other than one of the things that this two hour episode was doing was introducing the entire cast of this new crew of uh, the Starship Enterprise. And so 
in some ways, I guess this kind of fit into that. But even then, this scene could have been taken out. No one would have even known it was missing. No one would have even cared. It wouldn't have caused any of the story beats to hit wrong or anything like that. Because it's just data walking with Dr. McCoy down a hallway talking about the Enterprise and mentioning Vulcans and looking to see if data had pointy ears. But it meant a lot. While it meant very little to the plot, it meant a lot to Trekkies because you had Dr. McCoy show up in Star Trek The Next Generation as if to say, this is the same universe. This is the same continuity. And and it matters. I approve of this ship and I approve of you, the crew. Now, he, <laughs> DeForest Kelly was made up to look very, very, very old. He walked very, very, very slow, but he was welcoming the new cast. And that new cast was embodied by Data. He was welcoming, welcoming them to the universe of Trek. And he says, and I love the way he says it. He just says, uh, take good care of her. She'll always bring you back home. And he approves of this Enterprise D. And then you have Captain Picard himself showing up in the first episode of Deep Space Nine to launch a new series, Deep Space Nine. Picard comes up and uh, basically to say this is same continuity, same universe. In fact, it's happening at the same time as my show over there, but I'm going to come onto this show. I'm going to have some drama with Cisco and we're going to have drama because I was locutus of borg and when i was locutus of borg i did some awful things that resulted in cisco losing his wife by the end of the episode you kind of have them have worked they've worked through the drama and then picard said okay i'm i, I think you're good i'm gonna leave you here i'm gonna go back to my show and you stay here with your show and have a good time with your show and then Another episode of Next Generation had another classic crew member. You have Scotty showing up to the Next Generation in an episode that promised something amazing as far as science fiction ideas go, the Dyson Sphere. What an amazing idea. I can't wait. I, I want to write a book about a Dyson Sphere. I, I just, there's so many cool ideas that, you know, something so big. A Dyson Sphere is so big that it actually, um, you know, the shell of this thing would be the same as an orbit for a planet, you know, and it's just so gigantic and huge. And just where do you get the materials to create something like this? They didn't explore any of that. Of course, they didn't explore the civilization that could have built the thing, or maybe there was any, could there have been a civilization inside the thing? They didn't talk about any of that. Ended up just being about accepting older people as people who have value as uh, so LaForge had to, Except that, you know, Scotty, Scotty does have some value to give to um, the ideas that they need when they're having a problem. And uh, he's not just some old fogey from the olden days. So another episode that they did with a crossover where they brought an original cast to the next generation. Spock showed up for a two parter that was meant to get us excited about Star Trek six. And it did, I should say, it was the one little mention of something that happened in Star Trek six that they talked about. It was barely meaningful, but it got us talking about the new movie. And of course, it was still a pretty decent two-parter episode that he was in. It was fun to see him in action as an older Vulcan man. Uh, and then, of course, there was Generations where you have Kirk showing up there to pass the big screen baton. So McCoy was there to pass on the small screen baton. And McCoy was there to say, okay, you can have your TV show. We're going to be doing movies over here. And now that the movies were done for the original series cast, this was Kirk 
and I mean, Scott, uh, Scotty and Chekhov also showed up and, and so did, um, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, he showed up to, and, you know, to hand it off, but it was really Kirk handing it off to, to Picard saying, you, you have the movies now and these movies are continuing on from our movies. And honestly, then you can sit down and only watch these movies, the, from Star Trek motion picture until Star Trek, uh, insurrection. And it is a linear enough thing that you have this middle point close to middle point where Kirk is handing it off to Picard and his crew. And then they move on and go do first contact. But you have lots of guest stars showing up on lower decks Voyager. Uh, you have um, Janeway and Chakotay and the doctor as guest stars on, on prodigy. Uh, but I haven't gotten to the week week connection yet. So I need to move on and not talk about those. Anyway, in all these examples, the idea is to give weight and importance to the new cast and to the new show. McCoy on next generation was reminding us that it may be new people, maybe a new generation, maybe a new ship, but it was all connected as a single unified intellectual property is all a single unified universe, a single unified franchise, a continuation of an existing story generations. The movie was literally written as it was so they could hand it off. We're going to kill off Kirk so that the movie franchise can go to the new crew. And then even one more step beyond that is Leonard Nimoy showing up as old Spock in the star Trek 2009 movie. Again, serving that purpose of saying, Hey, it's not the same as what we've seen before, but that's okay. It's a continuation of, of what you've seen before. So thinking about all these then got me thinking about the weak connection I want to talk about, which is where in the Bible, something similar to this happened, which is old people showing up to give weight to the connection of an existing story. And I told you, I told you. It's a weak connection, but it is a connection. So Matthew 17 says this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. He was transfigured in front of them and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I will set up three shelters here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down and were terrified. Jesus came up, touched them, and said, Get up. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone about the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. So the disciples asked him, why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah is coming and will restore everything, he replied. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him. On the contrary, they did whatever they pleased to him. In the same way, the son of man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had, been, he had spoken to them about John the Baptist. Reading that story, it just always stuck with me. It clearly had this, a significant meeting, but what was it? That was the thing. I, I just couldn't quite grasp what it meant. And I never actually like heard a sermon or read anything about it. It was something that as I went through my day to day, it just sort of hung there unexplained. But every once in a while, I'd think about it and just know there's some sort of 
clear, deep meaning that I'm just not catching. I don't remember how or when or where I started to become aware of the significance, but I mean, God says, I mean, there's definitely significance in God saying, this is my son, listen to him. Okay. That's obviously significant. The other thing that happens though, is it becomes one of those scriptures that the doctrine of the Trinity hangs on because as God speaks of Jesus and to the disciples, he speaks of Jesus as, as his son. And then of course, Earlier in the uh, account in the Gospels, the baptism of Jesus one-ups this with the Father saying, Jesus is his Son, whom I'm well pleased, and then the Spirit coming down like a dove. you got the full Trinity right there. You know, all three parts of the Trinity are represented in that one, that one scene. One of the things I was trying to think through and always trying to imagine was just what it meant when Jesus was transfigured and he became bright white like the light is it's kind of a reversal of what happened to Moses, where with Moses, he witnesses and sees the glory of God and he shines because of that. And people can't look at him. But then with this, with Jesus, he causes his clothing to shine. He causes his clothing to become like light. With Moses, it's coming from the outside at him. And with Jesus, it's coming from the inside out. Again, because this is, I mean, this is God, you know, it's God the Son. Then there's the whole thing with Moses and Elijah showing up. This is the weak connection. And this is where, yeah, Lower Decks... Lower Decks got me thinking about a story from the Gospels, okay? There's so much going on here. And this is where I'm kind of with Peter. He sees these two people talking to Jesus, and they're talking about stuff that that he doesn't understand. And in one of the accounts from the Gospels, it says they're talking about his upcoming death. It just, this is a fascinating moment that just features these two important people from their history. Moses, the one who brought the law and penned most of the Pentateuch, uh, the one who was leading the people during the time that probably most defined them in all of history, that time when they had the Exodus and they left Egypt and they crossed the Red Sea and they wandered in the wilderness. Moses, who, who comes from that moment in time, who brought the law to the people from the mountain. And then you have Elijah, the prophet, who is the big prophet, the one that when other prophets show up, they have the spirit of Elijah. And that's where Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. And, but also Elisha was another one. And, um, he never died. He was taken up into heaven in, in a chariot of fire. And so what you have here is you have the law and the prophets, and they are represented and interacting with Jesus, who was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And they're there to speak to him about his death, which was the action that he was going to go through that will become a vital, important part of that fulfillment. And in some ways, these guys showing up here were like Dr. McCoy walking the halls of the Enterprise with Mr. Data. For Star Trek, it was really just a reminder to us geeks that the new show matters. For Peter, James, and John, it was a reminder that Jesus was not just a man. Peter says then he wants to make tents. He wants to create shrines to honor the prophets. And this is where God speaks and God says, this is my son. Listen to him. 
And there's an element of these men, you know, lending credibility and credence to what Jesus is about to do, what he's been saying. But there's also this thing that's so much bigger where God is saying, yeah, yeah, these guys are great, but this is my son. Listen to him. This moment is a physical expression that Jesus, the Christ, as the fulfillment of the law and the prophets is so much more than just the the great rabbi, the great teacher. So yes, <laughs> the image of favorite actors showing up in a new show is a weak one, but this small earthy thing does illustrate this one big, huge spiritual thing. The artwork that I used when I was uh, reading this comes from issue number six of the Christ, which is uh, that's a turning point in a lot of the stories that are showing up in this point in his ministry are moments when the disciples are kind of looking at each other like, what is this all about? What is this all about? Who is who is this guy? I can't help but let my imagination run. I wish I would have had 24 issues of the Christ so I could have expanded more on these things. But in my mind, when I'm thinking about the story, my imagination just goes to these places where you have this momentous moment in history and it's witnessed by these guys and they barely understand what's going on. And then the other thing is, I'm just so curious, like what were they overhearing? They heard enough to overhear him talking about his death with Moses and Elijah, which they barely even understood after it happened. And so what were they thinking when they're hearing him talk about these things with, with Elijah and with, with Moses? And then there's just this idea of uh, Moses and Elijah, like what were they thinking when they're kind of plucked out of, you know, whatever the afterlife is meant to be during that point in time. And, that's one thing that, you know, I've studied a lot of different uh, viewpoints on what was, ha what happens after you die and, you know, all these different things, but they're plucked out of it. And it just reminds me of, uh, the song by Carmen. Uh, I can't remember what the song is, but it's, it's, I it might be called Lazarus come forth. I can't remember now, but it's, it's just a story song telling the story of Lazarus dying, going into the afterlife, talking to all these guys uh, about what was going on uh, when, you know, the experiences that they had as they were experiencing him in the Old Testament. So what were they thinking when they got pulled out of that and just dropped down to, to talk with Jesus, you know, and, and, you know, in some ways, this was their opportunity to see that the Old Testament, which they were a part of, and and the things that they were a part of, this was the fulfillment of that. And how cool is that to think about these guys who, you know, both considered prophets, but Moses representing that law and Moses just having time with God where he actually spoke to God and in a way that other people just never had a chance to. And Elijah, who made prophecies about what was going to come, what was going to happen. And he gets to see it's happening. It's happening. But again, you have the Old Testament, which is original series, and you have New Testament, the next generation. And here they are, the the big crossover with these stars, you know, from our earlier series here. But there's just so much going on, just so much packed into this one moment in, in time, as big as this is, as important as this is, I, I, I can't help but feel that I just need to let the final word go to God here. Okay. And I feel like the thing that we need to think about the most in this moment, 
actually comes from God. It's almost as if God says, this is what I want you to get out of this moment. This is so I'm just going to repeat that where God says, this is my son. Listen to him. That's the reminder. This is my son. Listen to him. Don't be distracted by the other stuff. The other stuff is important, but you've got to pull your focus here because everything in the Old Testament is pointing to here, pointing to him. And then everything in the New Testament is pointing back at Christ and beyond the New Testament. Everything is pointing back to Christ, where it's just that fulcrum point moment in time where everything before was leading in and everything after is pointing back. Those are my thoughts. <laughs> so I want to thank you for spending time with me to explore my weak connections and hopefully some strong applications. If you liked what you heard, please hit like, hit subscribe, or subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can find us at strangersandaliens.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. And of course, YouTube, youtube.com slash strangersandaliens. Until next time, I just want to say again, Thank you so much for listening and Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David. Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jay Samuel. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. Let the kids have their fun.